0: So my name is Adam Clawson, and I'm here with Nicola Mason. Uh, I am the owner, with her, of Red Rover Craft Cider, and also Coastliner Craft Cider. And uh, we're located here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. We were the uh, the original, the first uh, cider makers of uh, New Brunswick. And we started uh, around back in 2010, but we had to lobby for a lot of different things to actually be able to get cider onto the shelves and uh, managed to open in 2014. And uh, three days after we opened, uh, we got our kegs pulled from our local corporation uh, because they had never sold a keg of a wine product uh, through through their network before. So we, we, uh, ever since then, we've been lobbying for positive change. Uh, I also founded uh, with Nicola the uh, the Association of uh, Alcohol Producers in New Brunswick, NB Kappa. And uh, what we've really tried to do is create the highest quality English style ciders from locally sourced produce, but also advocated for the modernization of policies to give uh, the industry the uh, maximum amount of opportunities in, a, uh, in an ever-growing uh, alcohol world.
1: And as you probably heard, we're uh, right downtown Fredericton on a strip with a bunch of people walking by on your uh, your cider house here. Tell me a little bit about this place and how it connects with the rest of all the organization work that you're doing.
0: Sure. So originally when we started, um, because no one had applied to be a cidery before, we had to go uh, to somewhere that was classed as heavy industrial because they had no legislation for what a cidery was so we actually opened on Hanwell Road which is just outside of downtown Fredericton and this was an industrial strip mall so at that point the cider house was just an outlet in an industrial strip mall that not a lot of people went to Uh, as we uh, as we changed some of the policies we finally uh, had the opportunity to uh, actually make a retail front separate to that location and that uh, back in two thousand and sixteen we opened downtown opposite the uh, historic uh, uh, offices square, and the nice thing about that was that we could really push forward uh, cider education to uh, not just the locals but also to all the tourists that were coming through
1: and you have uh, kind of a collaboration with a couple of people involved in the spot right
0: yeah, so uh, instead of uh, instead of just pushing forward cider on its own, we actually teamed up with a local restaurateur who already had a successful restaurant in town. And uh, they opened uh, the Abbey Cafe, which was a uh, vegan uh, to-go restaurant location and we opened the cider house at the same time in the same space so the nice thing about that is is that customers can come in and have great food by a great restaurateur, and great drinks by by a cider maker.
1: And uh, all of the the product is available here, or most of the
0: product is available here? So the biggest selection of Red Rover and Coastliner products are available at our location downtown. Uh, We do actually have stuff available all across New Brunswick and all across PEI as well and a little bit in Nova Scotia Um, but uh, if you want to get all the 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 funky and uh, all of the the slightly more experimentals, all of our barrel reserves our orchard reserves and at Christmas time our spirits of Christmas uh, they're all exclusively available from uh, from our cider house location. Do you want to tell me a little bit about uh, the background
1: of how you came to be and why you landed here? Sure.
0: So, um, my background is mechatronic engineering, with naturally, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, which is the uh, which is the bastard child of mechanical and electrical engineering. And uh, I always loved trying to help people. And what I've wanted to do from a really young age was create uh, prosthetic hands for amputees and also for people born um, without hands. So. My partner, Nicola, wanted to come to Canada because she'd studied abroad in Hamilton and I visited her and we fell in love with Canada and she said as long as we're going to Canada then uh, then you can choose where in Canada. And we'd been, we'd been all across, all the way from Victoria, all the way through to Toronto and didn't really realize there was much past Toronto on the East Coast. So uh, when we had the opportunity to uh, to contact a few different universities we were originally going to go to Ottawa and they only did lower limb prosthetics and not upper limb and they said you should go to Fredericton so we contacted Fredericton and uh, that's why we ended up here in beautiful New Brunswick. At the end of uh, a contract that I was working on making prosthetic hands, I completed my life goal of doing that and I wanted to try something new we realized that there'd been a, a really big growth of cider in the UK and it really wasn't happening in the Maritimes so uh, we started looking into why, and it was because of the policy, but it was also because the um, the knowledge of what cider was here didn't really exist anymore. Prohibition had pretty much snapped that out, and uh, we saw it as a big opportunity. But we also love cider. My partner Nick doesn't she she doesn't drink cider. Uh, sorry, she doesn't drink beer or anything else. She only drinks cider, and uh, I'm good. <laughs> um, and uh, because, of, uh, because of that, we'd always been making a little bit on the side. We tried it with friends and it was just so, something totally different. So what we ended up doing was, was uh, we started uh, a little uh, crowd fund. But it wasn't crowd fund to make money, it was crowd fund for opinions. Ah, okay. If you ever visit Fredericton, uh, Fredericton is split across the St. John River. And uh, people are very proud to be on one side or the other so we created t-shirts that were proud to be north siders or south siders and uh, from that point of figuring out sort of what the taste profile was nicola is a biologist by trade i am an engineer we sort of we took the scientific approach and uh, opened opened our location uptown in hanwell in uh, 2014
1: and there, there, there are a handful of cider makers now in the area as well. Yeah. How has that been going, gro- seeing the industry and the scene grow in, in the area, as well as others around what you're doing?
0: It's really nice to... Uh, we've always had the philosophy that you shouldn't make exceptions to policies or to rules. You should try and push it forwards, because the real impact is supporting the community, not just supporting getting your own business through. So, there's, there's been quite a few uh, new cideries actually starting up all the way around New Brunswick, and also we've helped some start in Nova Scotia as well. Mm. And uh, it's really nice to see, pun intended, the fruits of our labor uh, paying off for, for, for other individuals as well, and the whole support of having more people pushing forward quality cider Uh, really helps helps us it helps the education of the customers and uh, makes us not feel so alone in uh, in a world that's dominated by micro uh, beer right now yeah and that and that's Fredericton right
1: like the fact that the craft beer scene here is is so large uh, I feel like it's
0: probably a parallel or, or or even
1: growing faster on the cider side of things
0: yeah so so right now when when we started there was only one brewery in Fredericton we were the second making make, when we were making ciders, so um, there was one brewery and us and then in very short order after us another uh geez i think it's around eight now around fredericton um, some smaller some some uh, some larger and there's one extra uh, cidery in town as well
1: how much do yeah. you think is attributed to the work that you're doing as sort of the association and the
0: lobbying that you've done a large amount of it um, the reason the association was formed was as the cider as the cider makers we were the outsiders we were the we were the ones that were uh, privy to all the information of all the frenemies that the microbrewers are they're all very friendly but at the same time they're all slightly closed off uh... we were aware that there was a a frustration that there wasn't more being done so when we called them all up it sort of uh, it sort of gave the impetus of the association something that no other province has. I mean, our our association doesn't advocate specifically for beer or specifically for cider or or wine or mead or Mm spirits. We are an all-encompassing, if you make alcohol from it, we are your association. And because of that, the the liquor corporation um, sees us really as one voice for all craft alcohol. And because of that, the policies have been going a lot quicker. Yeah, They can't really bounce beer versus cider versus mead versus spirits versus wine when they can only speak with one association so it's pushing us forward very quickly
1: and shows the importance of a unification of across of a sector as opposed to special interests in different ways have you found that the the impact on the local municipalities within the province has there been many changes with regards to
0: zoning laws and uh, ability for production or whatnot so one one zoning law that I can speak to is the fact that uh, as I mentioned earlier we couldn't have had a cidery downtown if uh, if the municipalities hadn't understood the um, hadn't understood the, the not just the economic impact but the touristic impact of having those sort of locations mm-hmm. on board. And um, to the point at which Fredericton now, if you if you go on the website, um, they really push the idea of it being a craft alcohol um, destination. So they've gone from being very conservative about it to being incredibly proactive.
1: Before we circle back into your offerings, I'll ask you one more question on sure. not uh, angling. Uh, if there was uh, some sort of advice you could give to people who are in that sort of lobbyist uh, angle, what would it be? What do you think would be the biggest impact that you could provide to say, hey? If, I have a feeling it might be get everybody together under one roof one name and go forward from there But maybe there's something else That's a really good question Here's the radio <laughs> interviews of 20 years from me yeah. doing this coming into you, so um,
0: I would say the one voice but um, I think more importantly I would say perspiration and not just finding out. Don't take no for an answer. That's what I would say. Don't take no for an answer. Um, the amount of times that we got told there would never be a cider makers policy, there would never be something, one or another, um, we never called it quits. And if anyone wants to get into more detail with that, uh, send me a message through our website, and I will quite happily, uh, I will quite happily give the. Uh, the full answer that would take way too long for an interview.
1: Let's uh, shift a little bit about to, for example, what you brought out here and what other offers you have. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you have available for the public and how it sort of came to be?
0: Sure. So, jumping back a little bit to the the original crowdfunding north-sider, south-sider campaign, we. Uh, we, we come from the north of England and uh, we had dry and semi-dry ciders so English style so lower carbonation higher alcohol and um, what we started off with were dry and semi dry just straight and different variations on the different blends we tend to use between six and eight different varieties of apples for us the raw material is the base and the way that you look after it, and the yeast that you choose, is what really makes it shine. So, um, so with our dries and semi-dries, uh, we, we use a decent percentage of russet, and um, that's because we don't actually have any heritage apples here. Russet is the closest to it, and um, what we found quite quickly, people kept drinking the one in in the spot number five on our tasting panel, and. The cider in spot number five was one that I had flown through cinnamon sticks just to give it a different note. And what happened is is people didn't realize that they were drinking it down. And we didn't realize it until one day somebody turned around and said, I keep drinking number five for some reason. And then we noticed very quickly that everybody was doing the same thing. And I call it the, the subway effect. Subway uh, subway um, what you call it, sandwiches, pump out the smell of Subway sandwiches to try and pull people in. And what we were noticing is it was cinnamon on the nose, and people couldn't figure out why they were smelling something different to what they were tasting. Okay. Interesting. And because of that, that sort of led our philosophy on a lot of our other ciders as well. So that one ended up becoming, so a spring is our semi-dry in the springtime. You have a lot of floral notes in that one, and it's a semi-dry, so it's not too, it's not too dry. In the summer, you want something that's thirst-quenching, that, that captures your thirst but simultaneously refreshes you. So that's our dry. The acid level is just a little higher with that one, and then as we get into the fall, it's like a savoury German apple pie, and we use that cinnamon, flowing the cider through cinnamon sticks, and that one actually has clove and allspice on the palate. And then as we go into later in the season, we never made a winter because no one ever wants winter. Winter isn't something you want in the summer and it isn't something you want in the winter. So we have our fire cider. Mm -hmm. Our fire cider was a uh, fresh ginger that we press and we get the juice out uh, and cayenne. That one actually won um, Canadian Brewing Award Gold a couple of years ago. And that one uh, was designed as the first cider, to my knowledge anyway, that is actually advertised to be drunk cold and warm, and the reason why is that we designed it to be a semi-dry when it was cold, and a dry when it was warm.
1: Interesting.
0: And that's because of the the ginger changing the flavour profile and perceiving it to be a lot drier when mm-hmm. it's warmer. It's a cure-all without any official medicinal benefits. Um, the cayenne just tickles the throat, and the ginger is really on the palate. So there are core four. And then on top of that, we do a lot of different specials. Dragon Slayer, which is our cranberry for for uh, Canada Day and Saint George's Day, and then we have our Blood Moon for the middle of summer, which is a blood orange cider. We uh, we have our White Witch, which is a white beer inspired, fresh cilantro and orange zest, along with uh, along with our uh, Mojito cider, which is a lime cider for the summer. And we sort of went into. Um, we're trying to make a cider for all seasons even though we already have our seasonal ciders we have other ciders that go around that. Um, a new one this year is our old man winter a New England style and um, very rarely whenever, whenever I put on a batch with Nicola and myself um, we also make a scrumpy so a traditional English scrumpy. One thing that grew out of the scrumpies though was our reserve series so our reserve series are barrels and our barrel reserves are all bourbon barreled aged uh, ciders, changing around sometimes. Our barrel, uh, our barrel one um, and our barrel two are both uh, Cap Golds, and then um, our barrel three, four, uh, and four and five aren't released yet. But barrel three is uh, what we're actually trying here this evening. Uh, slightly fruity, slightly funky. The acetic's done a little bit of magic in there, uh, still, as opposed to sparkling. And then um, finally, we have our specials for Christmas. Uh, we, do, uh, we do a three series. Most, most breweries do like 12 beers of Christmas. And to do 12 ciders of Christmas is a little bit over the top. Uh, all of our ciders would take at least three months. Normally with the barrels, anywhere between six and nine months to make. Um, so we couldn't really say, right, we're gonna do 12 different ciders for Christmas. So we wanted to concentrate on three really special ones. So we actually have, uh, we, we, teamed up with, um, we teamed up with the distillery in New Brunswick, there was only one at the time, and uh, we wanted to, to make it slightly tacky, so it's our, uh, it's our uh, Charles Dickens ciders, and there are uh, Christmas Carol. So in the Christmas Carol, um, Scrooge was visited by three spirits, the spirit of Christmas past, present, and future. So we have our past, present, and future. Our past is a uh, is a white uh, white brandy um, with uh, with our semi dry semi dry base that this year was actually done with uh, with a majority uh, spartan apple spartan being a little sweeter and we'd actually oaked that spartan before we uh, aged it in bottle with the uh, with the gin. And then the uh, the spirit of Christmas present was a wild blueberry that was uh, aged in in barrel with gin uh, thua, which is a, a gin from the province. And then last but not least was our spirit of Christmas future. You want to you want to see the future? There's only one spirit you can use, which is absinthe. absinthe. Yeah. So uh, dancing with the green fairies was a uh, our uh, our. Uh, uh, our, our summer cider but with a slight variation that was aged out so three very distinct ciders and we're quite proud of uh, how successful they've uh, how successful they've been over over the winter period how yeah. hey, are you guys? <laughs> good? <laughs> the uh... <Yeah>. it sounds <laughs> as though
1: um... the uh, the engineering and the biology background have no Involvement whatsoever in how you go about the work that you do.
0: Oh, nothing not at all <laughs> yeah, we uh, We say we normally science the out of everything. Yeah, and and yeah, we tend to a Certain amount of autistic and a certain amount of artistic. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. It's a it's a really nice
1: offering um You're doing, you said, so you have a production company or a production facility just on sort of the outside of town and then you do the sales here. Where else are you available?
0: Uh, We're actually available in all of MB Liquors. Uh, We have, uh, I would say, somewhere in the region of 60 different licensees around New Brunswick uh, with an additional probably about 10 across PEI and Nova Scotia. And we're also available in all of the uh, uh, the, the, uh, PEI liquor stores but we're, we're slowly making our way across into other areas. We're uh, trying to get reps and everything else, but um, yeah, that's sort of where we are right now, and also available online at our, um, at our website as well. Excellent.
1: Do you find that the, uh, the, the borders are a challenge, or even provincial borders or the, the federal border into the states for access points,
0: or? Federal is always interesting uh, into, into the states. We tend to try and keep away from that. Uh, but when it comes to provincial borders, um, at least in the Maritimes, we're working very hard as, a, as an association to try and break those borders down. Mm-hmm. And um, as it stands right now, access into at least the Maritime provinces mm-hmm. is significantly easier now mm-hmm. than, than it even was five years ago. And we we hope that that will continue from, from the Maritimes onwards into uh, into Quebec into Ontario and onwards the uh, the whole Como case starting in New Brunswick uh, is always an interesting factor mm-hmm. um, but realistically in the next 20 years with the amount of small producers and the voice ever unifying something will change
1: yeah and we were we were f- We were following the case quite closely because there were some ideas that would come out of it from our side of things in Ontario because it is such a a strong and and tough border, say, between Ontario and Quebec, where you can't get anything from the Quebec side on Ontario or vice versa because of the the laws in in Quebec. So it seems to have created sort of a a stopgap between the two. Um, Plus the the import challenges that are put into place and and all of that. So it makes it it pretty interesting and as a case study, there is quite different unique sections within the country um, when it comes to ability to access content or products from around the world. So it's really quite interesting in that sense. And I've been lucky enough, I've, I've probably sampled now about 500 ciders in the last three years, uh, and there are quite differences between, between the different areas. Have you found that yourself?
0: Yeah, we, um, we actually do something with all of our staff, which is um, whenever we do a training, wherever we've been, we bring back extra cider. So I think most recently, which one trying we do most recently in New York State? that one? Yeah. So, we, we, yeah, Nicola is down in New York State at, uh was the place? Cornell. Cornell. Yeah. yeah and um what we try and do is we try and give our staff an appreciation for that. We'd love to be able to sell all the different styles to, to really show the differences between an English and a French style, between a Spanish style and a New England cider. Yeah. Um we, we, we make our own interpretations on those, but um, there is a very big distinct, like the Quebec ciders are, are incredibly distinct to, I would say, the New Brunswick ones, to the Nova Scotian ones being high in acid mm-hmm. um, because of the palate of, of yeah. the Nova Scotian region. Um, the, the Ontario ones, again, very different. And even if you go from sort of the Prince Edward County area all the way down to the Niagara region, yeah. The wine influence down in the Niagara region plays a big part influence, on the yep. uh, on the cider. And then you go up into caledon you go to Tom and Spirit Tree, um, then you see a totally different side yeah. because of the, the, the orchard. French influence, and, yeah. yeah. So uh, it would be really nice to get to a point where all those ciders could be sampled with each other and I think it will come, yeah. but it will only come with the advocacy of the producers and the customers.
1: And I'd agree, I think, you know, the place, there's only one or two places sort of around that can sustain that because of the population and the rules and so on. So as I think we were talking before off off recording, something like Her Father's Cider Bar is a, is a great example of that, yep. where you can show up there and there's 150 to try of different ways and means and so on. And you could spend weeks or months or want to move next door if you're that into it. So yeah. Um, I guess just to to answer a couple of uh, the last fun questions Um, do you have preferences on either your own or something you've tried that you really like or is it someone that you're sort of you like to champion a little bit outside of yourself
0: outside of ourselves Um, I've got got, got a few different ones Um, I like uh, I like stuff um, at uh, Spirit Tree, uh, West Ave is always interesting, Tariq at Revel, a really uh, interesting products. Um, going over to Quebec, uh, Michelle Jordan is a uh, is a great cider maker and a much older than the most people expect cider makers. Um, and then uh, for us, I, I really like our Spirits of Christmas. Uh, I really like our summer cider. It was first place best in classic at Glencap. Mm-hmm. And it's nice after it had been entered into different things in the past and it had always been our favorite because it was our driest cider. Uh, but to get that sort of vindicated myself and Nicola's mentality on how much we liked. You can't have a favorite child, but you secretly do. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Oliver's uh, cider out of the UK. Is also a really nice uh, interpretation. Well, my hope is with it,
1: with uh, winning that award, you don't decide with, say, your your previous work and decide, oh, we've done that. now so because I've really enjoyed the work that you've done here and what we've been able to sample over the week and a couple different times and it's been a lot of fun so Uh, thank you so much for the time it's been a pleasure and
0: I think uh, Nicola had one extra yeah
1: you you were gonna add I've been extremely quiet this whole time yes and that's fine that is my usual um, mode of operation Um, like Adam said summer has always been my personal favorite although at Red Rover, since we started making the cranberry cider, which is the Dragon Slayer, it comes in a very, very close second. Um, We ferment dry, so the cider is really tart, um, which I really enjoy. But for outside, um, one that has always stood out to me is First Fling from Black Diamond Cidery. They're based in New York State, um, and they make lots of lovely things, but that one always had a soft spot for, and I, really looking forward to the next chance I might get to uh, to travel and pick up some more boxes.
0: Oh, I've got two more now. Uh, <laughs> okay then, in that case if we're gonna go US as well, uh, of course. Finn River in the US, mm. great cidery, and if we jump back across all the way across to, to BC, even though it's incredibly decadent and boozy, um, Seasider. Mm-hmm. Seasider makes some, some, some pretty intense ciders. The rum runner is incredible yeah. and uh, potent at like,
1: almost 14%, if I recall correctly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, where can people get more information about you and follow through with that?
0: Uh, we have Facebook pages, Instagrams. All, all, all the normal uh, social media haunts. We have a website that we're currently under construction. And if people want to get uh, delivery, we deliver to anywhere in Canada right now uh, from that location. Uh, yeah, that would be the best places. And if they want to reach out for advocacy or any other things about starting up, check out the website, it's got a message section. And uh, I tend to peruse that more than most people. So uh, you'll actually be talking with me. Excellent, thank you so much. No worries, thanks for your time.